This episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you who donated $1 a month through Craft Sanity's Patreon page. Learn more at CraftSanity.com. Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, an interview show all about art, craft, and creativity. Well, if you couldn't express yourself, how would you de-stress yourself? And if you couldn't make and build and sing, and knit and paint and dance and spin Would you go crazy? Well, if you're going crazy Here's something amazing To help you keep it together One, two, three Craft Sanity, Craft Sanity Hello and welcome to episode 192. On this episode, I'm going to take you behind the scenes of a profile story that I wrote for the Craft Industry Alliance, and that was just posted on December 6th. I recorded an interview with Stacy Truck of Fresh Stitches. This is going to be a really fun interview, especially for any of you who own a handmade business, or if you crochet. Obviously, you're going to like this if you crochet for sure, because Stacy is a top-notch crochet designer. But for those of you who run a handmade business, this is going to be an interesting behind-the-scenes look at how she has run her business. And for those of you who subscribe to the Craft Industry Alliance, you can read the full story uh, over there. And I'll put a a link to the Craft Industry Alliance uh, on craftsanity.com. This is a really great online journal that I finally found time in my schedule to become part of this. I'm really excited about it. I've written a couple uh, profiles, and I'll likely be writing some more in the future. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by the Craft Sanity Etsy shop. I know, kind of a meta experience for all of us here. I am running a little holiday sale. If you use the coupon code HOLIDAY16, you can get 10% off orders, $50 and up. So tell your friends. This includes all my looms, including from the little coaster loom all the way up to the rug loom. And you got to act fast on those rug looms because they're made to order and we have limited time before Christmas. So that would qualify for that discount. So now is a great time to buy it because I don't have it on sale all the time. The magazines and hand-printed t-shirts, cord tacos, those little things you use to organize your earbuds. I make those too. Um, Those are all for sale. Those make great stocking stuffers. So head over to craftsanity.etsy.com to check out the sale. And now we're going to proceed with that interview with Stacy Track. So settle in with a project and let's get to it. It's going to be really fun to talk about your business and all the great things that you have happening now. And I know this is kind of a, a cool time to be talking to you because I know you're going to be launching something tomorrow, which is really fun. So uh, there's a lot to talk about. I, I'd like to just start off by giving you a chance to kind of just tell us about Fresh Stitches and what it is that you do. And for those, uh, the people at home, we want everyone to be on the same page as we start this interview. Sure. So Fresh Stitches has been around since 2008. So the easiest way to describe what I do is I write um, crochet patterns for stuffed animals. Um, So they're also called amigurumi, which is Japanese for knitted or uh, crocheted soft toy or doll, Um, which just like 
that's what they're called when their heads are really big and cute. Um, <laughs> so I, <laughs> I've always written really clear, detailed, step-by-step -step tutorial style patterns. I also sell craft eyes and the things you need to make um, them happen. I've written three books on crocheting and I have four craftsy classes and I teach um, nationally at uh, stitches events and in some yarn stores and things like that. Um, excitingly, as you alluded to, um, Fresh Stitches just got a new a new coat of clothes last week, so we're recording in November, um, a whole new website design um, so that it is launching tomorrow, that um, it will be a membership um, forum site community. So um, my jam has always been really clear tutorials, super clear, like, what do you need help with? Step by step, we're going to get you through it. And so I've always built really great communities. Um, my Facebook following's huge. Um, we have I have 2,500 people I think in Ravelry, my Ravelry group, um, which is a site for knitters and crochet. It's like Facebook for knitters and crocheters. Um, that's what we call it. Um, but my ability to reach people is sort of limited by. Um, that site, you know, so we've all probably heard that, you know, Facebook meters out what posts you see. Instagram does it now. Right. Um, I don't have the emails for people on Ravelry. Um, so that's one motivation. And two, I also, I ran a really successful kit club where people would receive the pattern and the yarn and the, that went on for three years, but the feedback, I, I had 600 people at the peak and the feedback I was getting was we love it but I'm overseas and the shipping is like more than the thing or, um, you know, Oh, that's fun. But like, I just crochet the thing. And now what do I do? Do I post it on Instagram or do I post it on Facebook? And so bringing all that together into what's now a forum site or what will be tomorrow, um, a forum <laughs> site where, um, we can all talk. Um, everyone gets an uh, exclusive pattern every month, discounts on eyes, exclusive video tutorials, crochet alongs, um, swaps. So all the things that have been completely distributed across lots of different platforms will be under one roof. So I'm super excited. I'm putting like 90 of my eggs in one basket. <laughs> Not 100, but like 90 of my eggs in one basket. Congratulations on getting all that organized because it sounds like that. How long have you been working in the background to get that up and running? Well, so it sort of builds up super slowly. So like um, I start my site. This is probably like the longer answer than you were looking for. But the short answer is six months. But the longer answer is my site was just a WordPress blog. And then when I started the kit club, I was using PayPal buttons and it was a mess and whatever. And so about two years ago, I went through a site overhaul which moved me to being able to accept subscription payments on my site. Like, so I got a lot of that software ready two years ago. And then I decided to end the physical club about nine months ago. And then I started working on this new forum site. So it's bit, I mean, I feel like it's cheating to say, oh, I've just been working on it six to nine months because really that's just standing on the shoulders of the work that I did two right. years ago. So it sounds I like it's like two years in the making that you've been kind of migrating basically. toward this. Six yeah, to nine months no of serious work. Feat. It is. It's crazy. I mean, it's um, 
two years ago was the first time I moved to using a, a website developer because I, I mean, I like did computer science in college and you know what, we're not using C anymore and I have no idea what's going on. Um, and just from a time perspective, keeping up, like it's my web developer's job to know what the latest plugin for whatever on WooCommerce is. It's, that's just out of my wheelhouse. And so, um, yeah, it feel it feels so much bigger now than it ever has. <laughs> well, that's great. It sounds like though you're you're really gonna make this, you know, every you're gonna build on everything you've been doing with your business when you started. I am so stoked because, we, like, yeah, it's interesting. Like when you start a business, you don't always know where it's going to go. Like, right. I, you just don't know and. What did I, I, you know, I thought I was going to be making stuffed animals and I didn't really know how much I'd be taking beginners who had never crocheted before and turning them into crocheters. Like I thought my jam was going to be like coming up with super complicated animals. And so you just don't know what path it's going to take. And so now I have like, so, I mean, my craftsy, my beginning craftsy class, I think has over 10,000 people in it, you know, and these are like basically never crocheted before and now they're making things and they do it like their first day and it's so cool so there's that area and then also there's another area of the forum site designed for makers and designers who are sort of advanced or we're gonna have like craft tips for like selling them at fairs or online on etsy um because i in the crochet world especially and i it happens in other craft arenas, but it's super common for someone to want to crochet an hour or two in the evening. So let's say you get done two or three animals a week and you just want to sell them online or at a craft fair. You're, it's not your profession. Right. It's just a, it's a hobby business. And there's so little support for that kind of business out there. So that's another area of the, of the site. It's a paid membership then. And how much, how much does it cost and what does that get people? So it's $6 a month, which is the price of a pattern. So um, for that, uh, they get an exclusive pattern that hasn't been released before. And so really, when I had first dreamed of the club, I was like, oh, that's easy. I just do a pattern every month. Um, and there you go. But they get that. And then um, I design the pattern so that I do a few tutorials and videos that are go along with the pattern. Um, they get access to the forums, and that's both the normal people forums, let's call them, and the designer advanced maker kind of area. Um, they get 10% off all of the eyes purchased on my site. And then um, we also are doing a lot of events. So there's swaps, there's uh, crochet alongs. Um, I'm going to have a special newsletter that's just for members. Um, and I'm hoping to have live chats once a month. We'll see how the technology gets together. Um, so basically, I mean, it's, I've been thinking about a lot about how businesses run and how they are. And basically I like to think of it as $3 is going towards the pattern and $3 is going towards like subsidizing all of these things that my customers just think are really fun. Because I love running crochet alongs. I love running swaps, but all of that stuff takes time. I mean, yeah, it does. No one, the image doesn't just come out of the air, right? So every crochet along has a little banner and like I announce it. And then, you know, there's, um, you know, there's a prize and people love participating in these things, but it's 
and I'm it's weird to charge like a dollar to be in my crochet along, but it does need a way to be monetized because of right. the amount of effort right. all of this takes. Now, how many people are you estimating or hoping that you're going to have? Do you have a goal for your subscriber base? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you my goal and who knows, uh, who knows if it happens. My goal is 2,500 by the end of 2017. So in a year, I'm super interested to see how many people sign because I mean, my in my head, it's like, oh, it's super obvious to me that the 600 people who signed up plus the hundreds who had signed up and then dropped it because it became too expensive will just automatically sign up for this new one. You know, it's right. cheaper, no brainer. But I'm honestly not because I've always run a digital service and also sold product. And the allure of getting a pretty little box in your mailbox is really strong. And it's really a motivating factor. So I actually have no idea. I mean, my hope is that it's everyone plus all of those people who hadn't before. <laughs> but we'll find out, won't we? <laughs> yeah, well, that'll be really exciting to see how that goes. And now for you, do you run your business full time? Or do you have another job yes. that you do? Or this is no, you, this is okay. my full time job since 2010. I think that's great. Yeah, for a long time. And has, do you think this is going to make it easier for you to kind of have a little more stable income? Not to, I don't mean to suggest that you're a bad businesswoman who is, does not have a stable income. That's not what I mean. <laughs> no, no, I mean, so I'm pretty lucky in that I've always kept things fairly regular. So even if, uh, well, so obviously when I had the kit club, that's pretty regular. Right. Um, but also just the way thing my life naturally goes like I teach at events right so I have one every month well that's pretty regular um uh the craftsy classes and the books I've always you know done basically like one a year so that's pretty regular um and if uh things are irregular then I would just publish a new pattern okay or run a new approach so I'm yeah there is some amount of appeal that it's a regular income um but I I'm, I'm digging deep. I don't think that was a huge motivation. It sounds like you have a great schedule where you keep yourself like you're you're cranking out patterns. You're looking for those teaching opportunities. And that's what's giving you that stability in your hand. I'm a business. determined duck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, um, regularity is my middle name. So that's <laughs> never been a struggling point. For yeah, me, that's great. Think. Okay. And so this, so that was not a huge factor in this. This was more. No, but I mean, for me, the biggest bit I think is getting returning customers back mm -hmm. and still coming to me. Right. Especially because stuffed animals don't inherently ha have like, um, you don't need 50. Like you honestly just don't need 50. Right. <laughs> right. So if you're going to be, be a regular consumer, it needs to be that you have a charity goal or that you're improving your skills Right. Or that you found community. And so that's the, been the struggle of how do I keep customers engaged when you honestly don't need 50. So the community aspect is a really big one. And also the, the skills increasing is a really big factor too. What is your audience like? Who is um, someone who follows your, uh, you know, your kit club or who are you appealing to the most? So it's so interesting. So crocheters and knitters are in general different demographics. So just like to paint a super broad sword for reasons very few people understand, me being one of them. Um, <laughs> knitting is like a trendy coastal thing and crocheting is like a being at home Midwestern thing. 
And I don't, I have no idea why. Like, I just don't know why. So my demographic tends to be young baby boomers. Like people having grandchildren for the first time is like my super stereotypical customer, right? So they have a little bit of extra time. They're not looking to like go make a lace shawl with beads. Mm -hmm. They just want to do something really nice that's going to make a gift that's kind of fun, but like not super hard. And then as they get slightly older, then they start turning to charity projects. I do have a fair group that are having their kids for the first time, but also they have jobs too. So they're busy. So my, my biggest demographic I would say is the, on the young baby boomer side. Okay. So these are people with some disposable income and some time to do the, to do the projects. Okay. Yeah. And I think it's also pretty interesting too, that you've also, um, you also offer supplies. So if someone, cause those eyes are hard to find in your local yes. craft store. In fact, they're kind of impossible. I mean, if you want to have a nice selection and it sounds like you have clued into that, did you try to find eyes locally and get frustrated that you couldn't? <laughs> Was that yeah, why you no, started? Totally, I mean, the reason <laughs> I started selling eyes actually, I mean, I've never found them locally. Like that's just never been a world I was in, um, or like you find two sizes at a Joann's or something. Right. Um, but then I started buying them in bulk to do my kit club and I found I was wiping my suppliers out and I was like, okay, then I have to like go to the next level. And once you're already ordering for, you know, a few thousand, (laughs) you might as well have different colors too. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, that, that was the push. Um, But it's interesting. So my audience, I mean, part of my job, well, my whole job is just education. I mean, I, I, I don't even think of myself as like an artist or anything. I'm an educator. And it just happens to be that the things I make are cute. Part of my job besides crochet education is also just like internet education, because I like, I think of my mom almost as like my ideal demographic. And it's not like she doesn't know how to use the internet. I mean, she does. And these people obviously do know how to use the internet because they find me. Mm -hmm. But a lot of my customers, I'm shipping, they're making an online purchase for the first time with me, or they're making a digital download purchase for the first time with me. So I've gone from my customers not really wanting to go through the hassle. Well, the world's changing too, but you know, people used to not want to go through the hassle of ordering online and, oh, it's going to take three days to get to me. And are you crazy? And then I have to pay for the shipping (laughs) to now where, you know, this, you can't find them in stores. Right. And so, um, that's been part of my, like part of the website design was making sure the privacy policy was clearer. Um, I'm not in it to like steal your email address and sell it to people, you know, Right. this is how I package the eyes, stuff like that. So it is re- like the, your business changes so much, the kind of like bigger you get, cause you're reaching out to more people. So yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> well, that makes it convenient though. So people that are following your pattern and if the pattern calls for a particular kind of eye, you can say, Hey, guess what? You can find it here. And that otherwise people are left frustrated 
trying to figure out, go online and find some other place to find it. So no, I think that's actually yeah. probably won over a lot of people in your audience that they're like, okay, fantastic. We can get this all at the same place. So are there other supplies that you sell or is it mostly just eyes? So I used to sell a lot more like yarn and things like that. So when I was doing the kits, I had like a full ball winding set up. I'd buy the yarn on cones and I'd wind it. Um, we just moved from Minnesota to LA four months ago. So part of that move is just doing less physical product because of space concerns. And also the cost for yarn goes up. The price doesn't double, but there are double the number of factors that make it go up. So like if wool or gas prices or whatever go up, there's that. And then there's the mill and all these factors go in and, um, I think a lot like with the number of yarn online yarn companies available now, it's just not that important. I think that I sell the yarn to people. There's a lot of other sites shipping the next day that can get you the similar yarn at an affordable price. Um, so I'm kind of just doubling down on the eyes. I think that's like my niche now. <laughs> well, and it seems like, you know, since you've been doing this for a while, uh, you know that that seems to be the thing that people continue to to need from you. Yeah. Okay. And and how important do you think that is for f folks out there who are, you know, trying to figure out where to go next with their home their homemade business? And they can be a completely different field. But how how much are you? I mean, are you looking every month at like reviewing your sales figures, or how often are you looking at these things to make adjustments and tweaks as time goes by? Because sometimes people get things are cruising along, they're getting sales, things are going well. But oftentimes people don't really like really look at their books and, and see like, okay, what's really selling the best? I mean, how often do you kind of go over those details for yourself? About three years ago, I want to say I switched over and I think a lot of the internet did this um, from like it used to be to be a real shop. You had everything in stock all the time. And then a lot of things, including me, shifted to more of like a... Um, uh, a release model, right? So these are the new products I have now. Come buy them. And then a month later. So I switched to a monthly release cycle. Okay. Um, and that was super helpful because if something sold out, I could reorder. But if it didn't, I knew like, oh, this thing isn't selling really well. So when I started, I want to say 2015, I just said, like, I, I actually didn't know two years ago where Fresh Stitches was going to go, but I knew it couldn't stay with just selling a digital pattern every other month. Like, um, so I said, like, well, let me experiment with just doing crafts. Like, I love rainbow colors. People respond well to my, like, color aesthetic online. Let me just hit it hard with different kinds of crafts at the beginner level that I'm providing tutorials for. And so I just bought random stuff and released it and looked at how it would sell. And honestly, I can tell in the first hour after the email goes out, how quickly something's going to sell out over the next X number of days, because right. If, 40 people buy something in the first hour, that's crazy. And if two people do, it's like, oops, not that popular. Right. Um, <laughs> right. And so I would just keep an eye on things like that. And what I really learned is that my audience does a lot of crafting, but they're not super interested in, in buying lots of different kits from different crafts. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> well, who knew? Um, 
but they buy the eyes and you know the other things I'm putting on clearance for Black Friday and on we go. Um, so I think flexibility is really the key because you you don't get a report when you start your business like here's your ideal customer and here's all the things they're going to buy from you. Right. That's like a, it's a constant discovery process. You've learned to just respond to what the audience, how your audience responds to you when that message goes out. And and it sounds yeah. like this community is really going to be the best of both worlds for, you know, you'll still be selling things and your community will um, be able to get those, know they get a, a pattern every month and they can still get their, uh, get the eyes that they need. <laughs> and then, yeah. um, and then just have a, have that community. So is it going to be kind of on the same order uh, on of, of like a kind of like a Ravelry type? How will it compare to? Yeah. So my goal is that it is going to become and I'm not, I don't want to sound snotty, but my goal is that it's going to become the Ravelry of Amagurumi without a pattern database, right? So I have no interest in like maintaining the kind of pattern database that Ravelry has because that's, that's a huge, insane. That's a huge beast. Yeah, they, that's, <laughs> right. that's really cool, but I can't even imagine yeah, right. the tech that goes um, into but, that. But the groups, um, so I was, uh, Casey, who started Ravelry on Twitter, said that 93% of the groups have less than 50 active participants. And I don't know what it, I think a lot of people come to Ravelry to do a task, like look up a yarn, find a pattern, and they join some groups, but somehow it's not, it's only part of the everyday process of a very select number of users. And that you need the everyday checking in, coming back aspect to have a, a really functioning community. And so, I mean, I'm a member of various Amagurumi, stuffed animal, crochet, whatever forums. And so few of them are, vi I mean, even my own, I'm, this is about me too, right? The Fresh Stitches one just isn't vibrant. It has the same people who I love, but coming back and chatting and it's like 20 people when I have a 2,500 member group. So my hope is that this is the place for stuffed animal, you know, there can be some crochet general talk um, of rap, like on fresh stitches that's just like Ravelry. That's my goal. Did you learn to crochet as a small child or when did you yeah, pick that up? Yeah, so my mom taught me how to crochet, but she, she can only do the ripple afghan. Everyone knows the ripple yeah, afghan. Right. That's what she does. And so I just started like doing stuff and I always entered my stuff into the Montgomery County Agricultural County Fair. All right. Um, and I won all these prize. I mean, man, that is a way to, if you are 12, that is the way to make money. You get like $3 for a, a blue ribbon and you can enter like an unlimited amount. So I'd make like $25 every summer. It was amazing. <laughs> um, so I just enter all my stuff and then, um, yeah, it was just like a hobby crochet. I mean, I don't know. It's almost like people who learn to ride a bicycle or whatever. It was just around in my, in my wheelhouse. I never really thought much about it, I guess. And so while just, you're doing your, and this was a, it was a hobby. So when you're in middle school, yeah. you're just kind of a hobby. Mm -hmm. I crochet in math class in high school. <laughs> How'd you pull that off? Well, I'll tell you this. Is, people are going to not like me, but that's a, no, I'm, I really do like math and various things. That's my personality type. And I just kind of was ahead. And so I was really bored and 
I brought along my Afghans to work on. And the teacher said, like, you know, stop doing that. And I was like, <laughs> why? Like, I know what's going like, quiz me. And so basically, I, well, I came from a very liberal school district that believed much in independence and, um, you know, standing up for yourself. So there, I was like, if you can find something I don't know, then I'll sit and like, pay attention but otherwise I'm, I'm listening we all know this right like if you're crocheting you're still listening you're actually listening um, so better I finished, yeah I, know. I finished like four afghans one year it was very productive very productive did you enter those into the county fair <laughs> yeah yeah did you get yeah. some money yeah you gotta make your time work you do the things in school you enter them in the county fair you get your 25 dollars and you know head over to the right mall. yeah that's <laughs> No, an Afghan. I wasn't expecting to say you were doing Afghans at school because that's, I mean, that's a pretty, you have to pretty, you can't really conceal that like so much. No, it's, it's no, I wasn't. There. Yeah. No, I wasn't trying to be sneaky. I mean, it was, I was very upfront that I was making an Afghan. Yeah. yeah. And um, so from there, uh, did you end up, what did you study in college? So I did computer science and linguistics with absolutely no thought about crocheting. I do remember in high school, I was very aware that some people couldn't read patterns because I remember asking my mom, like, why don't you make something different? And she's like, well, I can't read the patterns. And I was like, well, I can read this out loud to you. Like, I knew there was something that didn't click for her about how to read a pattern. Mm -hmm. um, Because in my programming class in high school, my project idea was like to search patterns and replace all of the abbreviations with like the written out word because I thought like that might be what the problem is like she doesn't be. like the abbreviations so I do remember this sense of like I buy pattern books and I, I can I made a doily from like an Italian pattern book and I still have the book and I I don't I, I don't 16 year old Stacy was a very interesting person um <laughs> but so I had this sense that like I can get to this information and there's a lot of people who seem to not be able to get to this information and I could help them. And so I think that hung around in the back of my brain for a while. What year did you graduate from college? When did I graduate? From, uh, 2004 I graduated. Okay. And then what did you do after you graduated? Then I went to grad school and I finished in 2008 and then I started a company. <laughs> Okay. And what was the company, the company we're talking about, Fresh Dishes? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Just... So what, what did you study in grad school? Linguistics. So I did child language acquisition, which is like how little kids learn language, which is super fun. But I just didn't want to be a professor. Like the only thing you can do is be a professor um, when you do these esoteric things. And so it's super stressful. And I know this because my husband is one. Like, We've lived in five states now. My business has been registered in five different states, oh, wow. five different like tax. What? Oh, don't get me started. Um, and so it's just I'm not very like combative, or I don't love the thrill of the debate. Like I went into it because I really liked playing with kids, right? right. Which is not really how, why you're supposed to go into grad school. But and so I just thought I remember thinking like. You know, everyone when they're older says, I wish I did some, you know, I wish I had more fun. I wish I did something I enjoyed. I wish I didn't work so much. I wish I spent more time with my family. Like you can, you can create the same list of 25 things that every person 
over the age of 60 has said about their life. And it's never, boy, I wish I had like worked until seven every day. And so I thought like, well, what <laughs> skill set, what skill sets do I have? And what could I do? And I was like, well, I can crochet. And this was like at the beginning of Etsy and Ravelry. And, and I was, and I had pretty good, like, layout skills, right? Like I could do PowerPoint and Photoshop from various grad schooly things. And I was, and I saw someone who was doing crochet patterns and I was like, I can do this. And so my boyfriend, who's now my husband, went away for a summer school for like a month or three weeks. And he came back and I had a lion and I had a koala and I had a, like a snail or something. And I was like, yep, I'm gonna write crochet patterns. And everyone just looked at me like I had lost my mind. So I decided this like a year before I finished grad school. And, but everyone was very, and they were like, okay, why don't you just keep teaching university students in the meantime, until you change your mind. And so I taught college courses and whatever. And then I just kept making my stuffed animals. And eventually I don't know if people believed me or not, but like, I mean, I had advisors telling me I was like doing the stupidest thing they'd ever heard anyone do. Um, (laughs) And I just, I had my patterns on Etsy and I just did it. And I was like, it's going to work. It's always hard being, you know, starting out. You're not going to make a good income at the start. And so I worked, well, I taught and then I worked at a yarn store and then I, um, like did babysitting. I did all kinds of random stuff. And then I wrote a book. People really thought I was legit when I wrote a book, which is funny because it had no, I don't feel like for me personally, it lined up with any great significance in my actual like skill level or work level or anything like that. Like I was working just as hard on my company, but there's something about the print thing that makes everyone feel like you're legit. And then people are like, oh, okay. What, what was your first book called? Uh, Cuddly Crochet. What was your publisher? Oh, it's with Martingale. All three of my books were. How long did it take you uh, to get to the point where you didn't have to babysit and teach and you could just focus on just teaching crochet and writing patterns and just doing crochet related? It was a good, well, okay. So I'll preface this with saying I was coming out of a grad student salary. I didn't leave like a Okay, so you were used to being kind of at the poverty level then with uh, a grad student. Yeah, I made $12,000 a year. So so that was the goal. Like, how long can it take until I make $12,000 a year? So um, it was two years before I stopped, like, actively looking for jobs to do. Okay. Um, But I still worked in a yarn store for, like, another two years just because it was fun. And it's actually a really good way to like stay in the mix because working at home is super isolating. Oh like, yeah, completely. You know, you don't know what's going on. So I, it was really good for me to keep working in a yarn store. And then I would say another year or two, like by 2012, I feel like that's when I was turning down. De- like, cause before then, yeah, if you asked me to design a cowl, I would be like, okay, here, thanks for my $50, you know? Right. Um, So in 2012, I was like turning down things, being like, sorry, I, you know, really busy running my business if it's not a stuffed animal or if it's not somehow interesting for my career. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested. Um, But yeah, I don't, it's such an interesting question. Would I, would I have done this if I had come from like, you know, being a lawyer 
because it's really hard at the start and it's not clear that you're ever going, you know, there's many, 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 many people who do this who don't make a real income. I guess we should all be glad that you went to grad school, right? That you <laughs> you were coming from, otherwise this might not, fresh stitches might not exist, you know? It's true. It might not exist. Um, or a lot of people run businesses just as their side hustle. Um, that's, true. you know, like a lot of people do on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And that's just what they do. How far ahead do you work? So you have this, uh, you know, club that's launching. To, well, it's a, um, a community, really, that's launching tomorrow. Yeah. Um, do you have patterns? Like, do you do, like, if you are have a pattern coming out the first month, do you already have that pattern done? Or do you have six of them done? Or how, how far ahead do you work? I have to have things short up or else I get super nervous. So I have, so now is November. So it's launching basically December 1st, except like two days early for Black Friday. So December and January are completely done. Like I can fall asleep and February is crocheted and typed up, but not like finalized. And that's less far ahead than I would normally be because I have been spending a lot of effort just doing website-y kind of stuff. Oh, so yeah. usually I'd say I'm three months ahead. Because I like, like I have a spreadsheet, I like matching things. So um, one of the goals with the club is like, so I also have like design lessons as part of it and crochet alongs. And I like all the things to match up. Like here's the new skill you learn. Here's the design tip. Here's the pattern. You can modify this pattern. And so that takes a little bit of effort, you know, because you don't want to like have two, two like bugs in a row or something. People are going to be like, what is this a bug club? Um, right. <laughs> And so I work carefully to like switch up the styles and things like that. So it does take a bit. So I have all the patterns for the year already planned. Okay. And these are all stuffed animals because that's what that's yeah. the, the point of the whole thing is these are people that, that love to crochet stuffed animals. And so it sounds like just organization seems to be your, your best, uh, that yeah, is my jam. Organization yeah. is my jam. Totally. So I'm teaching at um, TNNA is the National Needlework Arts Association. It's the worst acronym ever because there's like it, it's, the should never. Yeah, <sighs> it is a bad acronym because it sounds kind of like you're saying uh, TNA. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's awful. And like yeah, the is supposed to be part of an acronym anyway. Anyway, but yeah. at TNNA. Um, <laughs> I'm teaching um, a course on how to write a handbook, how to write your employee handbook, how to manage difficult customers, which is actually much more of an organizational crisis than you think. It's all about organization. So yeah, organi organizing is my total jam. I don't know how other people work from home. Like I find it very natural to just like be in my zone and do my thing. But like my husband can't work from home. He goes to an office he goes through great pains to be at this office. Like he has a tea maker in his office and then he has to buy milk because he has tea in his milk and like <laughs> it's all this drama. And, and I'm like, if you could just to put the milk in. Yeah, exactly. If you could just zone out and like work from home, then you'd have so many less problems. But um, I think it's a personality type thing. And I just am a work at home person. So do you schedule time then to... Uh, get out to your local yarn shop or teach a class there just to stay connected to your community and feel like you're not as isolated as you would be if you never came out of your house? Well, that's a bit tricky because we just moved here four months ago. So okay, my so local community is yeah. sort of, yeah. But, that's um, now. Yeah. 
it, it's unfolding. Yeah. No, I also, because I do the stitches events, that's a huge get out and do things and stay connected sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you add up doing, there's four of those a year. Um, there's two TNNAs, which are, you know, the industry trade show. Um, and then, you know, if I'm doing a craftsy class or whatever, I'm basically traveling one weekend. And by weekend, I mean like Thursday through Monday. So, so one weekend. week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a really long weekend. So one weekend a year where I'm just like, I mean, at TNNA, I don't go to sleep until like three in the morning and then I'm up again to give a talk at like seven or something. So it is just like nose to the grindstone talking to all kinds of different people. Um, And then I'm also a moderator on the um, designers forum on Ravelry and I tweet. And so I feel like I'm actually talking to people on Twitter, even though, well, I mean, you are, you're talking to people on Twitter. And I'm also a chair of the business and creative services sector of TNNA. So I run the Facebook group, which is people who are like designers or photographers or like whatever, whatever services is broadly construed industry. And so I feel like I connect with a lot of people, but that's just like a product of being in the industry for so many years. Like when you start, I remember being like, just feeling so isolated. Do you recommend joining these professional organizations to to get connected for those who aren't connected now? I do. And I mean, the Craft Industry Alliance is another organization where it's just like talk. It's so hard because I can see people say to me all the time, it's $60. Like I could, I don't know, go out to dinner with that really, it's not that much money. Um, like what are you, um, but yeah, when you're starting, you're scraping the money together. And what I did for TNNA is every time I said, you know what, I'm going to scrap it together and I'm going to go. And you know, that's like $500 when you do a flight and you do a hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you're sharing like three to a room or whatever. And I'm like, if I don't make that money back with an opportunity, I won't go next year. And I've been going for like eight years now because you always have an opportunity. Like it's, there's just no way of replacing a a face-to-face interaction, I think. Or even if it's not face-to-face, like a, what's the word for it? Like a, a a validated interaction, you know, like if you're on a forum, that's a private forum and you're all professionals and you have a conversation well, maybe next month you have another conversation. And then before you know it, you are at the point where you can email the editor of whatever and talk to them. Mm-hmm. And so I think it is, I mean, I I more than anyone hate the idea of like a, I don't want to say an old boys club, but I hate that model of like, well, you just have to like be in the right places and talk to the right people. Because I think it's so discouraging for beginners. And I dislike that so, so much. But at the same time, you do have to just talk to pe- meet people. And um, I have yet, well, someone can write to me and tell me I'm wrong, but I have yet to meet someone who has really put themselves out there and worked hard on openly communicating with other professionals and not found it worth it. Right. I mean, that's, that, networking, okay. that networking is so key. Yeah. I mean, I think every it's, single conference I've ever gone to, yeah, I go through the same thing because I don't have a corporate account where I can just 
you know, call human resources and say, Hey, can you book me a flight and uh, cut me a check so I can go do this thing. But every single time I've gone to a conference, um, I come back with work. So whether it's someone, you know, I'm, I'm doing a print run for somebody, I'm a printmaker and I, I make looms. I do all kinds of, I wear a variety of hats. So I'm writing an article, an article for something, or it's like, I come back and there's something, some, action items, you know, I can do something. And um, it has always forwarded my business. So I, I totally see what you're saying. And I understand when people are starting out, and they're looking at maybe they don't have the sales where they want them to be. And they think, Oh, my gosh, I can't really afford to pay for a membership to this or to go to this conference. But you're right. I mean, and did you start doing that right in 2008? Did you start right when you started your business? Yeah, so it's super weird. Yeah. So all the way back in the day, back when I was side hustling, I lived in the same area as um, Noni. So she does these felted bags. And I mean, she does more than that now, but that was her thing then. And so I translated them all like a collection of like 15 of them of them from knit into crochet. And like, so that was just like a job to, you know, like mm-hmm. a yeah. job. And I went with her to work her booth at TNA. So that was my very first time. And I have no idea how long it would have taken me to realize that the organization existed without that. Because it's weird. I feel like the universe is so fragmented now, right? You can be on Twitter constantly. And if you don't follow certain people, you don't find out about other things or whatever. Um, But yeah, so since then, I have been going. Um, And it's great. It's so and the other tip I tell people is to go with a purpose. Like one reason, like when you ask me, what's my goal for how many members to have, I will tell you, I want 2,500 people, darn it. Because I really think that saying your goal out loud, so saying where you want to be instead of where you are is so valuable. For example, as another thing I do, I'm the creative director for Louette, North America. So they make yarns and, you know, they import the looms and the spinning wheels and things like that. And so, you know, we're talking about how to talk to designers and things. And if a designer comes up to me and is like, I have an idea for an amazing sweater pattern, I need 10 skeins of this yarn and it would, you know, and should come out spring, whatever, whatever. I'm like, yeah, rock on, you know, but if you come up to me and you're like, well, I've done a sweater before at, like, if you're looking to the path, you know, right, but, oh, right. but I've never been in a magazine. Like if you just come and you tell me what you want to do, people are going to get behind it. And I feel like, I don't know how many people have been watching like the craft industry Alliance from the beginning, but that's what Abby and Kristen did was they were like, we're going to have an, an association, right? Like this is what we're doing. Come on people. And that, if you just say what you want to do. So if you print, make, I don't even know what an example to give, but if you're just like, hi, I print, make whatever's, I'm looking for more people to blah, blah, blahs. People are like, yeah, okay. And they file that in their little Rolodex about, you know, you do whatever's. And then the next time they hear someone who's looking for whatever's, they're like, oh, Jennifer does that. I forgot, you know. Right, and it's, word of mouth is so powerful. It's amazing. And so, yeah, so just go and like really put out there what you want to do. And it, it does happen. Is that how you got your book deal? The first one? Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. No, I straight up was like, I mean, I had my book contract, like, it must have been less than three months after starting my company. Like, 
I mean, I started in October 2008, and my book is published March 2010, and it takes a year to write a book. So, like, right. in three months, I had – and I just wrote a proposal to them, and I was like, hi, I make these stuffed animals. They're really cute. No one else is making, like, bigger size stuffed animals. Like, in uh, – the amigurumi term typically refers to, like, these – three inch, super, super tiny things. Right. And I was the only people making like kid size stuffed animals. And I'm like, there's not a book like this. Yeah, this would be a really good book. And they were like, okay, great. I mean, not to say there were revisions or whatever, but whereas a lot of people I talk to are like, oh, well, to write a book, you have to have done, you know, been in business for three years and this and that and this and that. And if you just like put it out there and maybe you're going to get rejected and that's fine. That means you're trying. Do you have like a scroll that is your resume with all the hats you wear? Because I think I, I, all the things you've said that you did, like, Oh, by the way, I work for Louette and like, right. <laughs> <laughs> so are there any other things that we're missing? Uh, do you have like an organize, uh, like a list somewhere of all these? Uh, no, you, you know what? I actually don't because I don't feel like maybe this is like, we it's it this could actually be the first interview where I've told anyone what I did in grad school. I feel like it's not relevant that you know my whole story. Like I feel like there's this temptation to yeah, have this resume that you show around to kind of prove yourself. But like I'm just a Stacy who just does some stuff. And like <laughs> if I don't know. Like if you want to talk about like, oh, the knit stuff I do, I'm happy to talk about it. But yeah, no, I don't like my, I have two Instagram accounts. So one is for Fresh Stitches and one is just Stacy. The Stacy one just does Stacy stuff and the Fresh Stitches one just does Fresh Stitches stuff. And so, yeah, I don't really have this place that has like everything I've ever done. And yeah, I teach at TNA with businessy kind of things, but like a lot of, like my customers don't really care that I teach a handbook manual class. Well, I think what's empowering, though, about your story, for a lot of people, they're limited by their past because they're like, oh, I went to school and I, I studied electrical engineering, or maybe they studied their Spanish was their major, and they thought they were going to teach high school, and they come out of school and they're like, man, I don't want to do that. I think I want to do something else. And sometimes people feel like, well, you know, I didn't study business or I didn't study fiber art, so what license do I have to go into all these things? And what I really love is I've interviewed hundreds of people in the handmade field and very few, I would say, actually have a degree or credentials in the thing they're doing. I mean, they just, it was a passion and they went for it and they're successful. And yes, definitely it would help. It would help all of us to, the more business knowledge you have, uh, I definitely don't want to discount that. I think if an MBA jumped into this and they're an excellent crocheter, they're going to be rock solid and on the business side of things um, for sure. But, you know, I mean, I was actually just thinking about this the other day because I was pon well, actually on my way back from lunch just today. I was pondering. I was wondering if I get a discount at my husband's university just like to take classes or something. Yeah. And then I was thinking, like, what would I take? And I thought, like, oh, it'd kind of be cool to have an MBA. But then I thought about it and I'm like, what would it be? get me like because I mean the way marketing works in the handmade world mm -hmm. is so much about like Instagram and, and I don't I have no idea what MBA people do but like my cousin has one and she does like marketing packages for law firms or something and I just feel like that's not what I do no like I do run a business but that's not gonna help me and so then I came to the decision I don't really need one 
I like learn. I love learning things, but I just learn things in our own community. And like, I take classes at my trade organization because that's like targeted at me. Now, do you have any strategies for how you time manage? Like, do you make a schedule for your day? Um, so I'm actually a week scheduler, like a W E E K, not a W E A K. Um, so I have to do, I have to do lists for each week, and it usually it contains one thing I'm supposed to be crocheting, one thing I'm supposed to be formatting, editing, and the first hour or two of my day is just daily maintenance, answering emails, checking in on forums, blah blah blah, and then the rest of my day is dedicated to knocking out. Um, that thing that's on my weekly to-do list, but I don't have any like great tips because I think it's just a natural how I am sort of thing. Um, I do make sure, and I always encourage people to, um, don't over schedule. Like if you, I always plan, I only give myself enough stuff on the calendar so that I can be completely done by Thursday and Friday is kind of a brainstorming work on extras tie up loose ends sort of thing. Um, and I think if you're chronically over, and the truth of the matter is like, if you, if someone calls you with an opportunity and you say, yeah, I'm busy through January 15th, are you free on the 16th? Most of the time they say, oh yeah, okay. Right. Whereas if you're just like, you show up to a podcast and you're a mess because like something caught on fire, like you're not <laughs> right. serving anyone that way. Right. Right. Um, So I'm just like brutally honest with people. Like I had a yarn store who wanted me to come in and teach and they said like, can you teach in December? And I did my best to not like laugh out loud. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I run a retail website. Do you think December's like the worst month? Um, And I said, how's March? And they said, sure. March 4th sounds fine. And you know, those things don't go away. And I'm a whole happy, you know, person and most of the day most Fridays are like awesome sauce I'm like I actually get the chance to be thinking outside like you said at the start like thinking about your business at that higher up level so you're not just stuck in this grind of answering because I mean especially running a, a website people um sometimes forget there's a person behind the website and you can get the worst emails. Like, you know, like I'm just this web robot out there, like trying to, you know, make your life miserable, you know, if they can't log in or something and it can be really dehumanizing. And so to have a day where you're not mired in that is really good for your soul, I think. So it sounds like what you're saying, um, you know, being organized is great, but it sounds like for you, I'm hearing something really clear that you're saying that it really is a good idea to schedule time off. Like, yes, no. And also, and this gets more and more important if you have, um, uh, well, different kinds of businesses, it gets super important for, or if you have kids or if you have like family members, like I could lose an entire day or three days, who knows if my daughter's sick. And and I can't just be like, sorry, Maddie, you don't get to be sick today. Like deal. (laughs) That's just, that's my life. And that's something I have to do. So if I have a week where every day, like if I'm counting on working the whole time she's gone, plus cramming in three hours after bed, and I'm going to stay up late tomorrow, there's no room for error. And life isn't like that. Like this, no lie, alone since we moved to LA, I've had like 
two mouth infections. Like it's the weirdest thing. I apparently LA air is really dry. And so who knows what the heck. And then like Maddie got a cold and then my husband came down with like strep and we've just been in our rotating. One of us has been at the doctor for like a month straight now every week. And so life happens and you can't do anything about it. And I, I went, sorry, now I'm on like my soapbox about like, just get your life organized on it. I went to a, a fun thing yesterday, which was Sunday. And Everyone was just so complainy because I know life is stressful and it was my turn and I was just, and we were supposed to say something we were happy about and people were struggling and I was like, dude, life is good. Like I have food, I have a job I like and life is actually really good. And people are like, oh, right. I forgot (laughs) about that because people are just in the habit of being chronically oversold, right? right? Like you're maxed out and I get that, but you also have to be like, what kind of person do I want to be? How am I showing up every day? And what can I do to make that happen? And most of the time you're actually going to come out better for being more strict about your schedule. I Mm -hmm. think. No, I, I totally agree. And I think for me, that's, um, it's that's probably one of the most challenging things. And uh, so you have um, you have one one daughter. Yeah, she's okay. almost two. OK, she's so, really cool. Yeah. Well, congrats <laughs> on that. That's awesome. Um, that's a fun age, too, when they their personality oh, is really em- emerges. And like, and so interesting. She's like just like me. She's super strong willed. And like one day. So the, the her teacher was like, uh, good luck. Like, she's like, I've seen kids like this. And all I can say is good luck. She knows what's up in the world. And she is just, she's too smart for her own good. And she she's going to be a challenge. And I was like, thank you. Like, honestly, that is like music to my ears. I know this kid is never going to get stepped on in life. Like, give me a challenge any day. And I told my mom and I was like, she's like, how's Maddie? And I was like, oh, it's great. She's like, you know, like really, you know, she's really doing well. And she's like, yeah, I heard she was being super stubborn. And I was like, yeah, it's wonderful. And my mom like thought I didn't hear her. And she's like, no, I heard she's being really stubborn. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) No, it's great. It means the kids won't cave to peer pressure. And um, yeah, no, I, yeah, my kids are 10 and 12 and I are 11 and 12 now. And um, that's one of the things that I've grown to appreciate because there are times when they do push back, um, you know, and they don't just, they're not pushovers, not even with their parents, you know? Um, And so it does get, I mean, there are times when you're like, oh my gosh, would you just please put your shoes on and we're going, but, (laughs) but at the same time, you're very thankful that they just won't go along with stuff. Because you don't want them to just go along with stuff. Exactly. I mean, you're, you're kind of training them to be a person that's going to go out about the world and not just go along with stuff. Because that's um, that's how we get into problems as a society when we have a bunch of people who just go along with stuff. You know, so exactly like if she I if she gets in trouble any day for standing up for something, whatever. You'll that's know you, you did your job right. You know, yeah, totally fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I can totally relate to that. And I, I agree that having the mindset that that's a good thing is, yeah, it is. It's a great thing. So it sounds like how, how has motherhood um, impacted your or influenced in any way or inspired your work? You know, I told someone the other day, like I was prepared. So, I mean, I'm organized, right? And so 
and I cannot tell, I would say at least a hundred, you know, one person would say, oh, it's fun being a mom. But like the hundred other comments were, you just have no idea what's coming. You are not going to be like, you just don't know how much it's going to change your life. And I feel like this is like the 12th hardest thing I've ever done. Like maybe I have like the best kid in the world, which is probably true. But you know, like there are so many work, like I've done harder things than this. I ha- I mean, at the end of the day, I have a little person who genuinely, lo- like, she's only two, so she genuinely still loves me. And <laughs> any time, that might change, but any time I spend with her is, like, cool time. Like, sometimes it's boring on the playground, but it's still, like, really cool time. Right. And I just there's no crises. Like the worst crisis we had was like, she spilled her juice like really big. And then it's like, you know what? This is not that bad, you know? Um, so it hasn't. And I'm, I, I, for a while I was like, okay, like people have been warning me like, Oh, that's just because she's a newborn. It gets worse. It gets, you know? And I think that happened through to 18 months. And then I've noticed people have just stopped saying it. And I think they're like, Oh, okay, it's actually going to be fun. Like I've been yeah, waiting well, I think for the part other of it is, It's drop. kind of like a mindset though, too. It's kind of like a glass half empty. I mean, cause if you yeah, think, if you think, oh yeah, I think, yeah. Cause I never have looked at parenting that way either. I've kind of thought like, wow, I've just always felt so grateful that I get to be a mom and you know, I have weaving looms too. I'm just like, geez, what more can right. I ask for? Um, so <laughs> I mean, for and me, I'm not going to fib. Like I, so I also taught, I'm teaching a maternity course with Tara Swiger about like how to take maternity leave. I'm not going to lie. It was hard. Um, because I was answering emails the day I came home from the hospital. There's no, I mean, not only do we live in a country that doesn't actually have real maternity leave, right? Well, small businesses don't, actually have I mean what I could put up an auto reply and answer them when she's seven months old but other than that what right. am I gonna for do? a lot of people um, like shutting down their business isn't an option for six months if you, you don't know, have someone to step in exactly so yeah from my perspective I saw a lot of businesses that were started when the woman had four or five year olds who were going to school I saw a lot of businesses that started before kids and then fell apart and I just wasn't going I was like this is my this is half of our income this is right. not an option and so it was hard because we don't have any family that lives nearby and so we literally didn't have like I remember this one time oh my god Maddie was two months old and we lived in Minnesota so it was uh in March like 30 degrees outside and my husband had already accepted to teach in Massachusetts for a month when Maddie was two months old because you agree to these things in advance so he was gone for a month Oh, and then I was going, I was taking Maddie to go see him for two weeks in Massachusetts. And I had to back the car into the garage because you can't leave the car. Sorry, this story's getting too long. But you can't leave the car on the roads because if it's a snow emergency and you can't move it, it right. would get towed. Blah, blah, blah. Exactly. But you, our garage was so small that you can't take the car seat out while it's in the garage because the doors don't open big enough because car seats are big. Right. So, and I just remember thinking, and I also had to, you have to hang the bikes up on the racks because the car has to fit in. And I just remember thinking if I just had someone who could come over for 15 minutes, my life would be like 
so much better. But like my mom lives in Kansas. My dad lives in North Carolina. My husband's parents live in Australia and I don't have siblings. And, and we had only been in Minnesota for a year because we had been moving. And I do just remember being like, like I have never felt so alone in life because not only was I not professionally finding peers who had been through this stage, just personally, like I was listening to people be like, oh, yeah, my mom only comes over on Saturdays to watch the baby. And <laughs> oh, my like, gosh. Yeah. That's but so no lucky. Lie, in my yeah. mommy's group, I started mommy's group when she, Maddie was one week old because I like misread the directions, whatever. Like it was supposed to be like six weeks old, but I, I'm really early. So whatever. I was there with this one week old. And there were women talking about like how to pump milk. You know, because she was going on – one of them went to Mexico for four days and one of them went to, like, a spa weekend for three days <laughs> with the, their six-week-old – like, without their six-week-old babies. And oh I was like, goodness. this is not a problem I have in my life. Like, I didn't go anywhere until, like – you know, I, I just never, I still have been to a spa. Like, so anyway, so things are hard, but <laughs> not like to me, hard right. is not being confident things are going to turn out well. Right. Like the place you are when you start a business and you're not sure you're going to have money for your rent is hard. Right. I'm not, I don't feel like being a parent unless it causes you to not have money to have rent, which I know is some people's situation, right, but and that's really uh, hard. Yeah. And that's hard. That's hard. But the drama caused by Maddie spilling her juice on the ground or yelling at me or even wearing stupid clothes that don't go together does not cross my top 10 no, list of hard that's things. That's like just amusing. And, and you're going to miss those days when your kids get older and well, when she's older and she's able to match her clothes, you're going to miss the days when she just wanted to go in I and know. put on stuff. She wears so these cool. like little, these the ugliest shoes. They're these red Crocs. I hate Crocs, <laughs> but she about, and they have these little like fire truck decals on them because she's so into fire trucks and she wears the cutest little dress and then she puts on her fireman shoes and I'm like all right let's roll those are your fireman shoes let's do it I'm sure a lot of your designs uh do you does she does she approve some of your uh put the stamp of approval on... I don't know see it's weird because that's like my work she can't play with them because I still need to like oh, photograph yeah. them and stuff <laughs> so there's a real segmentation yeah between, you have to like, kind of keep it away a little bit yeah, exactly. So they go into a box once they're done and she doesn't really get to play with them unless I actually like specifically make her one. Yeah. But yeah. she does. If I leave it, if I leave crochet around the house, she wakes up in the morning and then goes and puts it back in the box where it belongs. Because, oh, you know, yeah. that's how it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's well, that's that's pretty cool, though. And when she gets older, she'll be able to, you know, carefully look at them. And it will be a little, you know, less of a worry for you about what might happen. Well, and I mean, I think also just since we're talking about like being a woman or whatnot, like the message, and I feel like I grew up this way as a millennial, um, the message of just like you get to do what you want to do in this life, I think is so super important and that you have to just make your life, what you want it to be like. You don't have to do things because someone's put you in some kind of a box. Um, so anyway, that's what I hope to do, that she sees that I have a really cool job. Cute. Thanks again for making yourself available. And thanks for all your wonderful con contributions to the handmade community. I think you're, um, and for sharing your story, I think this is going to inspire a lot of people. So thanks so much. Thank you. 
a special thanks to Stacy for being a guest on the show. I know I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you folks at home did too. So if you're sitting there and have a business idea and you were thinking before you heard this that maybe you didn't have the right major in college or you didn't have a certain qualification, you know, just get out there. Folks like Stacy, I mean, obviously Stacy's a very smart businesswoman. Um, she has approached things to be successful. So she's done some very deliberate things, which she described in this show. So listen to it again if you want to really take notes on on what she did and and what worked for her and not everything that worked for her is going to work for all the rest of us but we definitely can learn from people like Stacy who just go out there and set a course for success I'm going to have another show soon I know it's a little hectic with the holidays so I I will make an effort to get another show out before the holidays um but just in case I don't, I want to say, or you listen to the show, the next show after the holidays, I just want to say happy holidays to all of you. I hope you have a safe and wonderful you know, time uh, visiting with family and friends and maybe taking a break from the hustle and bustle of life and um, just have some fun and relax. And I hope you get to make a lot of crafts and projects and I hope the holiday crafting is going well. I have a lot of holiday crafting to do that I haven't really started yet. <laughs> um, but the end of the semester is coming up next week. The, our finals week is next week. And then I turn in my grades and I can, you know, breathe a little sigh of relief and get going on some of my holiday projects. I also have a top secret craft sanity project that's underway that I am super excited about. So um, stay tuned for details in January about that. I just want to remind you guys again that I'm running a little sale over at craftsanity.etsy.com. If you use the coupon code HOLIDAY16, you can get 10% off orders, $50 and up in my Etsy shop. So that includes, you know, like I said before, everything from the rug loom down to the coaster loom and all the magazines and the back issues and printed, the hand printed t-shirts that I make and all kinds of stuff. So head over there to check that out. Uh, I also wanted to mention that I am doing kind of a get in shape gen 2.0 <laughs> fitness mission. I did this, some of you may recall back in 2007, I did this massive fitness uh, mission where I wrote weekly articles from a local paper I for the Grand Rapids Press, um, where I used to be a reporter. I wrote a weekly column about fitness and uh, lost um, more than 20 pounds in like three months and ran a marathon that year and, and ran all, all these races and just really transformed myself. And then, wouldn't you know, um, about five to six years later, my fitness regimen just became a little too difficult to maintain. Um, well, actually, that's not true. I dropped it from my priority list. Let's just be real about what happened. But I think that I struggled all along with that kind of mom guilt of, of doing things for myself and not being with my family when I was at the gym. And as I got older, my kids got older. Isn't funny how that happens? <laughs> and... I found I'm driving my van around, going to practices and picking up and dropping off and um, taking care of my students over at the community college and, and doing all these things. And I totally lost myself again. And uh, before I knew it, I wasn't going to the gym and I was running and swimming, but very sporadically. And the biggest culprit of this whole thing was that the biggest mistake I made was that I my um, default when I get stressed um, was to drink Pepsi and lots of it. So um, that's just really bad to put 150, 150 calories down the hatch every time. And I talked about this. I know I talked. I haven't listened to my old shows, but I know I talked about how 
foolish this was and how I was never going to do it again. And then look at, look at me. I did it again. I am in this fitness mission again right now. And it's much different because in 2007, I was um, 30 and I was able to um, jumpstart my metabolism with like a little kickstart and then boom, I was back on track. Uh, now I'm 40 and I am looking to get in shape again. And I've been working with a trainer for three weeks and uh, I have started to notice some changes, but wow, is it hard right now? And the only reason I'm bringing this up is obviously I talk about the things that I'm you know, really focused on. And this is one thing I am treating this like a job. I'm working out multiple times a day. I am doing a core routine that when I get out of bed and when, before I go to bed, so every morning and night, I have a series of about five exercises that I do, and um, they include push-ups, and I do not like push-ups, but I'm doing them, and uh, I am seeing some results. It's slow, very slow progress, but I'm, I'm bringing this up because if any of you out there have done something and maybe you're wildly successful the first time and then you let it slip. And I'm, I'm really talking about fitness. Uh, if you let it slip, um, there is hope for you to get it back. And yes, it is hard as hell. It is so hard to get back in shape when you're, you know, older. I mean, your um, max heart rate, you know, drops as you get older. You um, definitely feel yourself getting you know, it's, it's different. The, the, the aging process is amazing and, um, you know, also a little tricky when you're trying to <laughs> jumpstart a fitness routine. But what I'm trying to do this time is be wise and be reasonable and be kind to myself. And uh, I'm going through this routine of going from out of shape to in shape. And I'm hoping that I'm going to do that really for the last time because I really want this to be something I maintain uh, through the rest of my life. I was on the elliptical machine yesterday and I saw this couple and they look like seriously, they looked like they were in their late seventies, early eighties and they were working out together. And I just thought, Oh, I want that to be my husband and I, I want to be an old lady walking around with Jeff Haywood <laughs> at the, you know, at the gym. I mean, that would be so, they look so cute too. They just looked adorable. And I was like, yeah, I want that to be me. So I would like to be somebody who, as I age, I'd like to just go into the age appropriate fitness classes and have a great time. So anyway, I'm only bringing this up because New Year's Eve is around the corner and people are going to be, you know, launching fitness plans. Maybe some of you are saying, okay, it's January 1, I'm going to get started. I just want to encourage you actually to not do that on January 1. Start now because through the holidays, I mean, we tend to think, oh, you know, I'm going to eat whatever cookies and cakes and whatever I want. Um, and then I'll, I'll burn it all off in January. It's kind of nice to take the pressure off that January 1st, you know, fitness, like I'm going to do this and everyone shows up at the gym and then a month later, no one's there. Uh, I found that in my, in my experience, if you start before all the New Year's Eve revelers, you know, everyone's just making these resolutions, you can kind of establish a pattern and I know in my experience, the first two weeks were terrible. And then it seemed like about two weeks in, things just started to feel like they were getting easier. And uh, if you can make it through the first couple weeks, uh, you have a fighting chance. Okay, well, I've gone on long enough about that. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's at uh, craftsanity is my name on Instagram. So you can um, tag me in your fitness photos if you're going through a process too. And I will certainly want to cheer you on as well. And, um, 
yeah, I guess that's all I really want to say about fitness. Again, I didn't really intend for all that. Uh, again, I just hope you enjoyed this conversation with Stacy and hope it inspires you to get out there and whether your goal is to start a business, get in shape, write a book, whatever it is, I hope you start today. Uh, do one thing that'll get you toward that goal. Maybe that's a small step like I'm going to go park further from my workplace or I'm going to drink more water. I'm going to substitute that soda at lunch for tea. Um, you can make small changes in your life that are going to make a big difference. And if you're not looking to make a change, but you just want to start something new, you can get out there and do that too. Just try to do one small thing every day. That can mean talking to someone who could be a good business contact um, or getting online and doing some research. I mean, it can be very small things that take maybe five or 10 minutes and just build on that. And, um, you know, you can listen to my podcast and other podcasters out there to hear handmade business owners talking about what they did to get started. And there's so much information out there for free that you folks have access to. So good luck to you all. And if anyone, any one of you want to share your story and tell me kind of what you're working on, I'm all ears. I'd love to hear about it. All right. I need to stop talking and get back to work because I have some grading to do. I will be back soon with another episode of the podcast. In the meantime, Craft Sanity, my friends, it works for me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Craft Sanity podcast. To support the show, click the Patreon link at craftsanity.com to donate $1 a month or buy a handmade loom or magazine at craftsanity.etsy.com. Same time next week.